What's up and welcome to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. Also the YouTube page, YouTube.com. It's YouTube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I don't even have time for an open. We've got so much wrestling to talk about from NXT, uh, the takeover that took place in Orlando, Florida. NXT TakeOver 30, SummerSlam. That was pretty awesome at the Thunderdome as well as AEW Dynamite. Um, in Jacksonville. So I'm going to call Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. I'm going to reach out to him and we will review what was a great weekend of pro wrestling right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Tell people, John Hood's talking wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, right here, wherever you find your podcast. All right, let me call Josh and let's get underway. We got a lot to talk about here in the world of sports entertainment, pro wrestling. As promised, here he is, our friend Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. While we have our conversation, wrestling fans, go to the website. And I want you to bookmark it as well, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. You need to to find out information about a wrestling show that you might have missed or just want to have details of the shows that you watch. Make sure you check out ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Josh Lopez from the TWT tribe with me, Jonathan Hood on TWT. As always, Josh, I appreciate it. Thanks for giving me some of your time. I appreciate you, man. Uh, you're over. <laughs> big, big mega push in 2020. Who would have thunk it? Yes. Um, it is really interesting working mornings for the first time in 14 years. Um, but I'm very happy. You know, once I was over, and now I'm over. So I'm going to have to get the Bruce Pritchard shirt of I'm over now, I guess, right? <laughs> Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll have to. Man, you and I have got a lot to talk about here. What a busy weekend for pro wrestling. Let me start with um, NXT TakeOver, if you don't mind. NXT TakeOver 30. And, you know, I, I have not necessarily missed all of the fans and the, the busy arenas. But for big events, for, for pay-per-views in particular, Josh, I do miss the fans. Because you can imagine NXT TakeOver is the 30th one. Um, right. there, there, there's never been a bad takeover. Okay, there's never been. There might have been one in the middle. There might have been like a B plus, but there's never been a bad takeover because it, it's run by Triple H. So it's never, never going to be bad. But but you know, just like this one here, imagine wherever this is supposed to be, the pageantry of NXT Takeover Thirty, the kind of production they would have put behind it, the fans would have loved it. It just that's that's when you really miss the fans on big events like this one. Yeah, this is the first uh, pay-per-view during this pandemic era that I really noticed that, Hoodie. Like, like what, what would be the thoughts for Pat McAfee <laughs> uh, with a live crowd like that, just surprising people? Maybe just more Jaws would be dropped in cheers, I guess. Yeah. But uh, the latter match, you know, this I did, it, for me, it didn't overly take away from the show, but I, I get your point. Yeah, it just I mean, just the because you know that the crowds are always hot for every takeover, right? Like everyone that we've seen before the pandemic, the crowd appreciates the action for sure. Um, let's start there. It's a great place to start. Adam Cole against Pat McAfee. Okay, so Adam Cole wins the matchup, and Pat McAfee clearly has been training in order to be able to be in this match. Ah, uh, but the old school in me tells me this. Okay. So here's what Pat McAfee has done. Pat McAfee has proven to be the biggest heel in the company. And if, if, <laughs> and if that's the case, if that's the case after one match, 
That guy, I see he quit his CBS Sports Radio job. If that's the case, I want him to see him every week. Like, here's what you like. Josh, who else backs off into the corner in wrestling today? That that is that is old as the hills. Like you're a heel. No, no, no. Wait, wait. Stop. Time out. Time out. No one's not not a lot of wrestlers are doing that. Hardly any are doing that in 2020. So Pat McAfee impressed me for sure. But the point is, is that if he's not a regular, this is bullshit. Because Pat McAfee can't go toe-to-toe with one of the best wrestlers in the world and Adam Cole unless Pat McAfee is going to be in there every week. Otherwise, if this is a one-off, if this is Jay Leno and Sturgis, this is not great. Oh, God. <laughs> you, Sturgis. <laughs> but you get the point, right? Like, like, like yeah. you know, like, you know, Hogan's like, take my arm so we can get the picture for, you know, for the newspapers. Like, you know. Yeah, that, that's just leaving money on the table if this is only a one-off. I, I'll say this, Hoodie, I want to get your thoughts on it. I think it's very telling that Pat McAfee looked more at home in the ring than Cain Velasquez. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah, no question about it. McAfee did that That match. That match, Josh, um, if McAfee was a territory guy, like if he was a regular, not a one-off, like the regular guy, okay, he's this big-mouth heel uh, that's talking a lot. He's he would talk people into the building, and now here's the match, and there's Pat backing off, and then Pat is hitting a few, uh, you know, a few moves, and it's like, wow, you're doing that against Adam Cole. Look, man, it, he has to be a regular, otherwise, it you can see right through it. Adam Cole should not have to struggle against Pat McAfee his first time around. I'm just saying, I, 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 you can talk about the athlete and him being a punter and all that stuff, but I mean, that's a great build. But not to the point where we're going toe-to-toe with Adam Cole. That's all I'm saying. Right. I, For me, just looking back at the match now, I think they made the best out of the situation they could. But, yeah, on the surface, especially just long-term and comparing where, where each guy's are in their careers, both from Patches and Entertainment side and obviously Adam Cole. Like, Cole's literally in a transition phase right now because he just lost the NXT title. You don't really know what's next for him down the road. And I I, I really <laughs> – the question is now is where do you go from here with both guys? And I, I thought – for, you know, whatever thoughts you had going into the match or any, the thoughts in the build, I thought they made the best out of a bad situation because uh, I wouldn't say their match was the best match of the show, but it was probably one of the matches that had the most people talking about it on Saturday night. That was the whole point, right? The whole point is to have former kicker Pat McAfee in a match. What does that look like? And he does all these moves, and it's like, okay, that surprised me. That's for sure, but... It, so the match was an A. It's not an A plus. And you know what stopped it from maybe an A plus? The finish. You remember the yeah. finish? So yes. <laughs> so Adam Cole's gonna bring down the knees like no no no. I'm gonna hit you with the Panama sun, Sunrise. Look at me when I finish you, boy. Look at me. Pat McAfee what, go stumbles into the corner with his head down. Who does that? He he was like okay here's the finish. Get ready, pretty much. I didn't like that. Cause like yeah, it, you it noticed like that, right? Was, it looked like it looked like Cole was the heel there, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, but just like, but, but but why is McAfee got his head down the whole time as he gets up? Right. See, I didn't like that. So, but it's still an A. It was a it was a terrific match. But if that's a one off, that doesn't say much for Adam Cole because it, like if you're Adam Cole in the heel and getting beat down by babyface Pat McAfee, okay, maybe. 
but it's Adam Cole as the baby faces. You can see that the Undisputed Era is going to be baby faces. So, uh, you know, but, you know, very well done. But just uh, the realism is a former kicker is kicking Adam Cole's ass. And Pat McAfee in the territory days would have been called uh -uh, Thunderfoot. Here he comes. Um, so, so, Thunderfoot uh, McAfee uh, from Indianapolis. Uh -uh. Um, thank you, Gordon. Keith Lee loses the NXT Championship to Karrion Cross. I'm sure that you call that because you know Vince loves Keith Lee. And he's like, drop the title, pal, so we can come to, to Raw. So, you know... Josh, it was it was okay for two big men. You know, I, I I wish it could have been better, but it was a solid B for me. You know, it, it was it, it it was not great, but it was solid. You, it, I I enjoyed the match for the hoss fight feel of it, and I'll give NC credit here. Um, you know. We have a character like Karrion Cross come into your territory, if you will, pal. Yep. Uh, and he's such that, it, for me, Karrion has every level of it you want. Size, in-ring work, promos, facial expressions. Uh, Scarlet, nothing else needs to be said there, right? Oh, man, outstanding. <laughs> um, he has everything you want in a WWE superstar, and... Sometimes you think, oh, we're going to stretch this out to maybe when fans come back or maybe there's some other layers we can get out of this feud. But the story going into this match is that Karrion Cross was unstoppable once he came to NXT. And it didn't matter how long Keith Lee was the champion. <laughs> Nobody's going to stop Karrion Cross. You have the most destructible force in NXT. And they tapped into it instead of like, oh, you know what? We'll just have this as a draw. We'll have it as no contest. We'll, we'll, we'll save it for uh, Survivor Series weekend. So I'll give credit where credit's due. Sometimes, and, and when it comes to these feuds in all wrestling promotions, they usually like, oh, let's wait for another pay so we can have another five-star match instead of actually going through with the story. Um, and do you have some news on Karrion Cross? Is he healthy? Did he get hurt in that match? He, uh, reports that came out of Triple H's uh, press conference with the media after NXT TakeOver 30 was that he separated his shoulder oh. uh, during the match. Um, they, he told he said that there was an MRI that was done on Sunday, but uh, as of now, and NXT's coming live uh, tomorrow night, we're recording this on a Tuesday, obviously, <laughs> pardon the pun, pal. Yeah. Uh, um, it, it's not looking too bad, but I'm sure if there's anything major breaking news, we'll probably get uh, update from Cross in the beginning of NXT tomorrow. Tournament. Um, <laughs> that's all. We, that's all you need, we right? Need more of those. <laughs> that's all you need. Oh no, not another tournament. We uh, are going to have uh, an NXT tournament. Uh, yeah, I got, that's all you need. Oh no. Thank you, Triple H. Um, with with Rich Allen and Oliver Carter. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, Damian Priest, Johnny Gargano, Velveteen Dream for the North American title. Um, Priest wins, and I'm so happy. So happy for him. You and I have talked yes. about him. I'm so happy for for uh, Damian Priest. 
he's that guy. It's interesting. It's like everybody played dress up. Like one person wanted to be Shawn Michaels as Damian Priest. The other one wanted to be Bam Bam Bigelow, Brant, Bronton Reed. <laughs> it's a little, little dress up. Uh, very odd. Velveteen Dream, a little uh, old school Rey Mysterio. Um, but uh, very interesting. I, I like the match for what it was. It's going to be messy. It's a it's a ladder match. That's what will be pretty. But I'm very happy for Damian Priest. He deserves this. Uh, I'm a really big Damian Priest fan. I, I won't know if I would call myself a mark for him, but I like what he does. He, he just comes up with a cool aura that you probably would want Roman Reigns to have from the beginning part of his career, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Like, similar wet hair, hairstyles. Um, Priest obviously has a little more versatility from his background in Ring of Honor. And it's interesting that we're seeing um, Damian Priest, the real person in this iteration XC and then in our way so it's like they're trying to find something for him as a gimmick in our way to find the interesting dynamic there um I, I thought the match was cool you know at first I was kind of iffy with the whole camera grind scene but he just reminds me of what of a good heel would be in mid-south oh, yeah. just like a nasty pest <laughs> got the chest hair Going to the moon. <laughs> you, got the, you got the Tom Petty "Don't Come Around Here No More" hat. <laughs> uh, so I, you, they had a they had a mesh of everything. This is like the ultimate buffet of a ladder match with sizes, gimmicks, all of the above, and there were some really really nasty spots in this match. Yeah, it was, um, and I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm happy for Bronson Reed. I know he didn't win the match, but you could see this is this is what it looks like when you push a guy and you yep. want him to get better and better every week. That's what it looks like. Like, what is a push? Well, a push is Bronson Reed. That's what we're seeing. A guy that paid homage to Bam Bam Bigelow with that outfit. He gets better every week. He's a, a super heavyweight that's getting it done, and I, I'm happy for him. He took some spots. Ooh. He took some impact wrestling spots. I think you know that. <laughs> I think you know the the reference there because the the big guys also take nasty spots there in impact. But yeah, um. So you know, this is a longer conversation that you and I are going to have pretty soon here. But I'll just I'll just give you a little taste of it. So when you hear the quote unquote wrestling purists like Jim Cornette and Brian Last get on their podcast, I'm sure you've heard this too. You know, um, you know, I, I want wrestling the way it used to be, and uh, you know, how come you just can't tell a story and just have re- good re- in-ring wrestling? And then when they review NXT, oh, just so much wrestling, I don't get it. I mean, it's just it's the the arena's dark, you know, like so. So uh, here's what I don't get, right? You want, you know, the wrestling purist, and I don't even know if you can consider me that. Maybe you do, but Timothy Thatcher works in any era, right? He's in a good match with Finn Balor. Every time that Jim Cornette is reviewing a Timothy Thatcher match, doesn't fit. You've got wrestling, but he doesn't fit. God damn it. Like, why doesn't he fit? Why why doesn't Timothy Timothy Thatcher um, fit in a wrestling show? He's giving you pure wrestling. And it was kind of an odd mix between him and Finn Balor, but you like the contrast of styles. You know what both did? Now, it was a solid matchup. It's a really good, solid opener, but yet some purists don't understand NXT like, oh, it's it's so dark and, you know, there's there's all that wrestling. Well, isn't that what you want? Timothy, uh, Thatcher and Baylor is what you want, isn't it, if you're this pure wrestling fan? You know, Woody, I think it's the age-old question of, 
just today's wrestling in general, I don't think anybody really has a grasp of what they want. Because one week we want more storyline development and character development and better sounding promos where people sound like human beings like you and I are talking right now. And then the next week it's like, oh, where's the wrestling? We're not having long enough wrestling matches. You can apply this to NXT. You can apply this to Raw. You can apply this to any wrestling show. I consider you a wrestling purist. I consider myself a wrestling purist. I mean, I wouldn't have a website if I didn't care about the in-ring action because that's where the ultimate stories are being told at the end of the day so i don't know why timothy thatcher would not be a fit or appeal uh does he need a bad trench coat jacket to be more (laughs) over i i I don't know (laughs) what's wrong with a match with timmy thatcher and finn ballard that could work for any promotion i'm I'm sure Meltzer would give it six stars if it was a new japan match with those two guys Uh, i just the week-to-week back-and-forth fickleness of what people want and then what they complain about next week is just nauseating at this point no you're right yeah i think you said it better than i could that that is for sure it just you know, you, you want a wrestling show, and Triple H is giving you a wrestling show, and people look at numbers like, oh, well, it's not as popular as, as AEW. That's not, the, that's not the point. He's yeah. telling stories every week. We, before AEW was a thing, I was telling you that. Like, it was, it's my, it was my favorite show on Wednesday nights because he's telling you stories. It's the closest thing to the territory days that I remember as a kid. And so if it's too much wrestling for people, then do you want to go the other way? You want you want bad finishes? You want, you know, you want bad skit to bad comedy so you can bitch about that? Like what do you want as a wrestling fan? So I'm just I, I use Thatcher as an example of a guy that is that match could have been in the sixties, that could match could have been the eighties, the nineties, just because of the contrast of style. So I, I like what I saw there. What you think? I thought it was a really good, pure technical match, and I really like what I've been seeing from Finn Balor since he came back in NXT. Now, is he having marquee feuds? Is he getting shots at titles as far as the push is is concerned? No, but I think that'll come in time, but this is the work he's done since he came back in NXT, and there's a lot of parameters that we have to understand here, obviously with the pandemic still lurking around, where would certain performers would be if there were still crowds, you know? Like, what would Finn Balor be doing right now if there wasn't a pandemic? Like, there's so much that goes into the the foundation or the the clay of what wrestling was going to be before this uh, virus came around. And I, I just like the fact that Finn Balor is back to being the prince. Yeah, he's not doing the makeup as much anymore as he did in Japan, but he's just letting his work speak for himself. Like, you get short, direct promos when he does cut a promo it doesn't sound uh bad or you, you're not rolling your eyes when you hear a finn Balor promo anymore right so right. i i like what he's doing and timothy thatcher is just a, a pure pure wrestler and i i admire his work here's the difference between timothy thatcher and Zack saber jr I'm not falling asleep while <laughs> I'm not falling asleep during a Timothy Thatcher match where I while I am when I try to do a Zack Sabre Jr. match in New Japan. Ooh. That's a there that, that's a shot right there. Wow. Okay. I like that. We need to talk about that further. Um <laughs> we, we moved to SummerSlam. First of all, before we get to SummerSlam, is it, it took place in the Thunderdome, the Amway Center in Orlando. And Josh, the difference between Vince and everybody else throughout the years is his production. 
And, right. and you know when I when you hear the again the wrestling purists talk about how the re- the ring is too clean and the ropes are too clean. Listen, the thing that got Vince over was ingenuity as well as production. And he looked at what the NBA has done with having those virtual fans, and he did it times a thousand. Like, how can we be able to fill the the one side of the arena with fans? We see what the NBA has done, and they've done a really great job of trying to include fans across the NBA uh, landscape in the in the country. But Vince did it times a thousand, and it, and it looks great. You can't get uh, actual fans in the arena, so he does that. And so, hats off to him for trying to have a production. People forget. You know, they look at baseball and say, why do you have these placards? They look at um, these certain sports and say, you know, so why are they adding crowd noise? Because we forget it's a television event. That's why this is happening, because it's television. Um, So so hats off to him. Um, Let me get your thoughts on Thunderdome before we go through SummerSlam. But I, I just think that Vince once again shows why he he is built to last in his company no matter uh, no matter the, sh- the stuff that that we bitch about uh, yeah. no, no matter the things that we like or dislike about the WWE his production is top notch Connie, you know the thing you know what Vince good or bad it's always about the sizzle pal that's right always about the sizzle not the steak the sizzle <laughs> that's for sure there, that's one thing you could always attest to Vince McMahon is that Production-wise, you know right off the bat what the identity of WWE is. No matter if you like their storytelling or not, you're going to have the spectacle, the over-the-top presentation of these performers. That's why they call them superstars in every lingo that we talked about over the last couple of years. And I, I the, visually, this looks cool. Um, I'm happy that... They have the setup like they do with the NBA with the virtual fans. Uh, obviously, there's been some couple knuckleheads that are trying to ruin it for everybody. We don't need to get into that. Yeah. But this conceptually and visually, it just looks really cool. Um, you know, props to Amway for agreeing to have WWE be their home resident for two months. Uh, to even pull that off, let's say like a, a pro wrestling company can literally own and rent a full NBA sized basketball arena for two months is impressive, you know? But that's the thing when you have WWE and they still make money out of their wazoo. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess they could afford it. So I just think conceptually, Thunderdome is a really cool concept. You get the uh, Pyro and Ballyhoo and um, the thing with me, and it doesn't matter if we're at an amphitheater at Daly's Place, the Thunderdome, whatever the situation is, my focus is always what's going on in the ring. So I guess the only positive I have with the Thunderdome is that I don't have to see beach balls being thrown around the place. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You, that's when the fans are bored, and that's that's the worst thing you want to see is a beach ball for sure. The uh, the SummerSlam card with Braun Strowman losing the Universal Championship to the Fiend Bray Wyatt. Okay, so really, besides the match, in in the matches was, was going to be you know it's Strowman the big guy taking on Bray Wyatt. I'm surprised at the finish. Not I was I can't say I was shocked. I was just surprised that it ended the way it did. But it was great to see Roman Reigns back. Maybe just maybe we get the Roman Reigns that I think many, many of us want. Look, it's it's not heel Reigns. It's just to me, it's just a guy that's just fed up. And he's got yeah. things to say, and 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 
kick-ass Roman Reigns, especially in this non non uh, fan era in the in the pandemic era. Now you're building a monster, and you don't the the fans don't matter in this in this case because they're they're not vocal. You can't you can see them in the screens, but they're not booing him out of the arena. That's great, and so maybe we the kick-ass Reigns that I think all of us have been waiting for. What's the teacher say? Wreck everyone and leave. I, I, I think that might be a wink at Georgia Tech, by the way, with them being the the wreck, right? I think yeah. it is the, the rambling wreck. I think I think it is, but I like it. <laughs> um, I, I was really happy to see Roman come back on Sunday. Um, there was a lot of speculation of whether he was going to come back at uh, the Royal Rumble next year. This things being up in tipsy with the, the pandemic. And I, I'm happy that he's back. And we talked about this before, Hoodie, that The Fiend does not need a world championship to validate his credibility as a wrestler. Um, this That character, that gimmick does not need a title. Uh, so I guess they, they figured that him and his feud with Braun Strowman was a means to end if the long-term plan was for Roman to come back at SummerSlam. Uh, they're fighting each other this Sunday at Payback in a triple threat match. And I'm just, more importantly, I'm more curious to hear what Roman Reigns has to say on Friday night. So you had a big return at the end of SummerSlam. You probably have people more invested to tune into SmackDown on Friday night on Fox to hear what he has to say. And then we go from there. But you I wasn't surprised by anything I saw with Braun Strowman and The Fiend as far as the match was concerned. Why did they take the title off of Braun Strowman? Why did Braun Strowman have the title in the first place? That's a great, even better question. <laughs> That's a better question. You got two guys battling for the Universal Championship and neither one of them needed to get over. Like, Strowman doesn't need the title. Doesn't need it. But, but listen... If you think Strowman should be the champion because of fans, when you have a full complement of fans because he's a draw, great. But here's a question. Is Braun Strowman a draw as a main event? Is he a draw? I say no. Okay. Then why does he have the title? (laughs) That's a bad decision. (laughs) Is is the the Fiend the draw at the top of the card as a universal champion? I, I would think so. I, I th- before we had the pandemic, uh, he was one of the more feature acts going into WrestleMania uh, with John Cena. So I, I would say, yeah, he was a he was a draw for the SmackDown brand. Is it draw like comparing it to The Rock or Stone Cold or anything like that? No, but I, I thought he was getting there. Yeah, no, it's no th- those days are over. When you yeah. can't when you can't stop the garden, then those days are over. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know that hurts McMahon so bad. It, it hurts Jim Ross today, and he's not even with the company. Just the idea that you go to, quote-unquote, the home of the WWE Madison Square Garden, and even during the holidays, you can't sell it out. People are like, nope, no thanks. Nope. No. Kevin Owens, nope, no thanks. <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's that, that sucks, but that's just... But, you know, before the pandemic, the WWE had a problem on the road anyway. It, it start, it, And again, I'm going to write this down for another conversation for us. It's like, even after the pandemic, Josh, I don't even know what the house show business looks like, even if it's even necessary anymore. I don't yeah, know. like, what purpose does it serve now? For anybody. Right. right. <laughs> um, Drew McIntyre against Randy Orton. Uh, I watched all of SummerSlam and I and I listened to a little bit of Busted Open with Dave LaGreca and Bully Ray and 
you know, it's just so funny. Like, McIntyre wins. You build Randy Orton. Great. I mean, this Apex Predator is the best Randy Orton I've seen since right. he since he debuted. He he's the best. It's the best I've seen him as a heel for sure. And so Drew McIntyre gets you know the you know the the quick one two three, and it was a tremendous shock finish, and people are bitching about it. And I'm like, what's the complaint? Like Drew McIntyre beat a red hot Randy Orton, and so that only opens up the door for a rematch at some point. It wasn't a fluke victory. It was a it was a pin. He got him. But but I love the complaint about how the finish happened. So imagine if Drew McIntyre with a Claymore kick dominated Randy Orton. So all that momentum he had for Randy would be halted with that with, with for Drew. Drew would look strong, but Randy would look like oh, so there's a ceiling to the success. He can beat uh, he can beat Edge in the greatest match of all time. Uh, but lose against Drew McIntyre in a dominating fashion. No, I think that the the finish tells me that I want to see more, and that's okay. Right. And I was going into this pay-per-view, I was kind of concerned where they're going to go with finishes because they decided they wanted to have a payback pay-per-view the following Sunday. So I wasn't sure which direction they would go as far as finishes were concerned. But I thought it was very interesting. Not only the backslide finish hoodie, Neither Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton hit their finishers in the match. There wasn't a false finish <laughs> mm-hmm. in the match, unless you want to count the draping DDT, I guess. But um, just structurally, the match, the pull, what they pulled off for 20-plus minutes, just a really solid world title match with not, not a lot of shenanigans. I thought it was very impressive, and... For those complaining about the backslide finish, look, I'm I'm 26 years old. I was watching some tape of Bit South earlier today, hoodie, and I saw a clip of Dick Slater beating Jake Roberts with a flying axe handle. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not the end of the world. There's been performers that have won titles and matches with a body slam, like. <laughs> Uh, the 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 issue with 2020 and wrestling and the way we process these shows now, yeah. unless you have four false finishes in a particular move that's either a Canadian destroyer or something, that means the match wasn't good. Like, I I I don't get it. <laughs> the whole tagline going into the show, you'll never see it coming. Drew McIntyre outsmarted Randy Orton in his. Randy's calling himself the greatest wrestler, and I'm glad that Drew mentioned it during his promo on Monday. <laughs> so like, uh, it's grasping for draw, uh, grasping at straws for things to complain about. Really, we're gonna whine about a backslide, a wrestling move, finishing a wrestling match for a wrestling world title. I thought it was terrific. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that match. So I hear what you're saying. Uh, thank you very much for the Dick Slater reference. I love that. That was my that's my high spot of the day. Um, so, uh, Sasha Banks against Oscar and Oscar against uh, and Oscar, an hour earlier, Oscar takes on Bailey. So I'm going to lay out, and let you go off on this. I'm just going to lay out because because <laughs> on your podcast, <laughs> it's like so. I'm just going to just lay out. Go ahead and tell us about. These the SmackDown and Raw Women's Championship matches. I'm just gonna lay out here. Go right ahead. Let's start with the positives. I'm, I'm gonna say both the world title match for SmackDown and women's match were really good. Uh-huh. Uh, different in their own ways, but also similar too. My issue with Bailey and Sasha has been very consistent. 
and it's more on the Bailey side. I'm just the heel character for Bailey does absolutely nothing for me. Um, Sasha with her boss character that fits her. I I'm not taking anything away from Sasha's point of view from what they've been doing with each other. I just want to make that perfectly clear. But the bad haircut, the the extra annoying ding dong promos that it's like <laughs> it's it's super eye rolling when I had to retranscribe the dialogue in the promos like it's one thing trying to process a sequence in the match and there's another thing where you're trying to transcribe a promo that goes nowhere and yep. that's where i run into a lot of times when i hear bailey and sasha's promos and i'm i'm in i'm at the point where i think the best thing for both of them is for both of them to be on separate brands They've been following through with the story. I'll give them credit. <laughs> There's ascension. You know, Sasha lost the Raw Women's title at SummerSlam. They're putting their women's tag team titles on the line at Payback uh, on Sunday. So there is a story being told, but just from an entertainment point of view, it's just very nauseating to hear Bailey's promos. And I guess she's doing her job in a certain extent if it's, if it's bothering me. But it's like, it's not thing that I want to see her lose. It's just I'm indifferent and just ready for them to have their feud and be over with so with that also being said i want to give props for asuka because every time she's having a title match she continues to prove why she's on another level as far as in-ring work is concerned man that girl's awesome I, I, that's my favorite part of the Hoots podcast. You're just going off on, <laughs> on, on Bailey, and you're going off on, on, yeah. I love that. That's my favorite part of the podcast because you, your problem with Sasha Banks and Bailey is just like, okay, so when they battle, then what's next? As if we've never seen that before. What is what's new about that when they do? Yeah, break it's, up? it's not it's not the Rock versus Stone Cold. Like, <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I saw their untold special that they did on their takeover match, and now it's a classic. I'm not. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they didn't have a classic match. But honestly, who's on their knees begging for this rematch, this rivalry again? Honestly, the Sasha Banks Oscar match was the better one, but not. Yes, it was the better because Sasha Banks can. I mean, hey, nothing against Bailey. That felt more like a B plus. But the Sasha Banks Oscar match felt like an A minus, and I could see them wrestle for seven times. B- Banks and Oscar, they but, but Sasha Banks works hard. Mm. You know, I had this comparison. Um, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a referee who actually got to referee one of Sasha's first wrestling matches. This guy named Tony Stevens, who used to be a referee for Chaotic Wrestling in Boston. Um, I, he he came up with this analogy that um, Sasha's kind of like the Floyd Mayweather of wrestling. Like she's so good at the counter and defensive aspect of wrestling. Now I'm just getting all super nerdy and technical here, no. <laughs> but but I, I could see that in a lot of ways. No, I get it. No, absolutely. But how about this? Put put this on your podcast, the Hoots Podcast. How about this for an observation? You know, with with Bailey and with Sasha Banks, as them as this two woman power trip and them having all the championships, that's fine. You know, because it puts them over as heels. I get it. I understand it. We know what the fallout fallout's going to be, but to me, Josh, they overshadow one another. Yeah. <laughs> because you know why? Because I I want to see a, a hell of a lot more Sasha Banks. And a hell of a lot more Bailey, but not together. And I don't need to see them wrestle either. I just like 
when we talk about Sasha Banks, talk about the top 10 women in professional wrestling across the landscape, across the whole wrestling landscape. Sasha Banks may be on the top 10, but she has not had enough quality singles matches for me to see if she is if she's going to be an all-time great or one of the greatest. It's one thing for Sasha to do that super laugh that Gino probably would do at Martin and then having Bailey be obnoxious at the same time. Like, they just <laughs> over-top each other with the obnoxiousness. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I think Bailey could take some tips from Dakota Kai as far as heel work is concerned because Dakota, I, she, we didn't mention their match on XC. Uh, her and EO had a tremendous match at TakeOver, but uh, I I really like what Dakota's doing as heel work, and I think Bailey could take some tips from her. Oh, Gina? Oh, that's Montez Ford's wife. Oh, Bianca. Yeah, that, yes. that, <laughs> that, <laughs> that's Gina. Um, Dominic Mysterio against Seth Rollins in a street fight at SummerSlam. You know, Dominic Mysterio who has trained for this, uh, and now he's in the WWE, and we've seen him in a number of angles here with Seth Rollins. I'll ask you this. Should Dominic Mysterio look as good as he has in the ring against Seth Rollins? That's the same Pat McAfee question I'll ask you. Same thing. Should Dominic be wrestling from underneath more, or should he have that fire? Because it's not like Mysterio is like this. Dominic is not like this regular that you've seen build up matches over the last year where you say, yeah, he can go toe-to-toe with Seth Rollins. Even though it's a street fight, did Mysterio have too much offense? I I thought it was a good balance of both. And I want to give props to Dominic because for a, for a guy, a young man, to literally have his first match on SummerSlam and what they've been doing building into this uh match with SummerSlam has done a better job selling mm-hmm. <laughs> and fighting from underneath than what, seventy five percent of all rosters throughout the the entire business. <laughs> yeah. He didn't deserve I, he didn't deserve the, all that kendo stick nonsense a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that but, was rough. I mean that's yeah. I mean completely <laughs> unnecessary. I mean I guess nobody else in the locker room would take that, but but since he's a kid he took it, but just like all that and by the way, even though that was taped a few weeks ago, you would think the remnants of that would still be on his back. He got he got fresh lashes of SummerSlam. <laughs> so, yes. so how far how long ago was that taped? That there's still no remnants from the from the uh, uh, the Kendo stick shots from a couple weeks ago. Is that not weird, or is that just me? Yeah, it's some. I don't know what. Uh... <laughs> what body uh, lotion or whatever it is. <laughs> I don't know what you can use to dissolve that, you know? It's, well, right. it's very strange. <laughs> well, I'll tell, tell you one thing. Let him do that in Kansas City. Harley Racer were like, ah, the, the wounds are fresh. Here, take a few of these. Gah, gah. So that way, when you bring the shirt up, when you bring his outfit up, there's right. still some lashes from what we saw. And that was, do I have it right, two weeks ago when he took that beating? Uh, yes, two and a half weeks ago. Yes. Two, two and a half weeks ago. Okay, so then, so for SummerSlam, should he still have some remnants of that? Why is his back so fresh? Like, like the old days, they they would have gave him a couple of cane shots just so it it's still it's still there from just a couple of weeks ago. Those lashes, but that's just me. No, I agree. Hey, color <laughs> lashes, all of it is equals green. It helps out with the presentation and everything. So you're so so you thought that Mysterio's offense was just enough because he fought enough underneath for you to say, hey, you know, this is a kid that's fighting for his dad and he showed some moxie. 
Yes, and what he did was way more impressive than what I thought he was going to pull off. You know, I'm not going to say he's fully where his father's at. They've had two different trajectories. I think I heard Ray say in the interview that he started wrestling when he was 14. So (laughs) it's a little different. But you you can see similarities here. They're outside the 619 and stuff. But I just thought... Dominic really presented himself really well in what he did in the ring. And his offense, in my opinion, didn't take away from what Seth Ross was doing. I thought he was doing some really good um, heel work in this match, just continuing to egg on from the storytelling point of view and begging Ray to come to the ring. They had the backstage segment earlier in the show where Dominic's like, Dad, don't come into the match. I need to handle this as a man. And they had two stories. Okay, Rons is not going to take Dominic seriously, but also Dominic is proving that he doesn't just need his dad to fight his battles. So I, I thought they did a good job there. Latinx, baby. Latinx is Mysterio. You got Rollins. You got uh, and- Andrade and Angel Garza. They're, it's taking over, man. It's your time. It's the era. Yes. Latinx, pal. Uh, <laughs> I think that's outstanding. We can't forget Selena, too. Selena, yes, yes. absolutely. Um, just one little thing also about Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville. Ooh, man. <laughs> if that was a real fight in the street, I wouldn't believe it. Nah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, you want to talk about rough circumstances going into uh, pay per view, man? <laughs> oh man, that. So I thought the specul. I thought this the the stip was going to be hair versus hair. What happened to that? It was going to be hair and hair. They switched it the Friday before uh, uh, SummerSlam for those qualification match. Uh, obviously, the elephant room going around. Obviously, with uh, Sonya Deville. Ironically, her and Mandy were in the same house together when uh, Soccer came over to Sonya's house and just it, it really threw a loophole through everything. Uh, the, the odd dynamic of Mandy's promo on the Friday before SmackDown. It's just, it was just really unfortunate. I really hope Mandy and Sonya are in a good place mentally and emotionally because just what they had to deal with the last week was just absolutely embarrassing and there's a lot of crazy people out there. Um and you could show it showed in the match too you know you had two wrestlers in the ring and both of them were not in the right mental frame it was just there I would agree with you there was a lot of vacant faces you know like Mandy Mandy did her best even without the circumstance I don't think it was a good match but even with it it just kind of like if they skipped this match it would have been okay they could have put this on a you know on a Raw or Smackdown I would have been fine with it I think they needed that time away from what happened, but they went through it. They went through the motions. They went through it, but it just that's just tough. That's just a tough spot to put them in, but they went through it, and they finished it up. Um, so as I mentioned, this has been a great, Josh, uh, pro wrestling weekend, and AEW's got to realize that when the NBA is on, when you're coming on after the NBA, it may not be at 6.05 Eastern. Uh, they're, they're, you might have to wait a little while until there's actual zeros on the clock. So you can't tell your audience, you know, tune in at 6.05 Eastern because here comes a special Saturday Night Dynamite and then it comes on at, you know, 5.30 Central Time. It, it just it happens that way. But, but it happened. And by the way, I saw the numbers. God, that audience. AW people, man. 
you can put that on at midnight. They'll be there. Like over 700,000 people on a Saturday night waited for Dynamite. And that, that, drew, that drew a nice number for them. It just shows you that no matter what, people are firmly entrenched with the AEW brand to be able to draw that on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, that is very impressive. They do have a loyal following. That's something you can't take away from AEW. I'll say this: you're mentioning like <laughs> trying to prepare prepare people to come in uh, after the the NBA game. This is still the same announce team that struggles and stumbles and bumbles going into pitcher and pitcher too. Oh <laughs> so, my god! Oh my! I know you're waiting for it. I know you need it. Pitcher and pitcher. Like what? Why? Why? Just, uh, just restaurant quality. Oh, oh, that's my line. I, I stole that line from. I like it. Restaurant quality. I like that. Let me tell you about storytelling. You and I are bookers for a wrestling company, and yes. we have FTR that should have came in his heels. Whatever, whatever. Okay, so yeah. they came in as baby faces, which was odd, and then they are now heels. Okay, cool. You start off Saturday Night Dynamite with Tully Blanchard in the corner for FTR. What the fuck is that? You have time to tell the story. The story is is that FTR is in the ring and they're battling private party. Cool. Then after the match, FTR's got to say, "You know what? We're making a change in our in our lives. We need to have leadership, ladies and gentlemen, through the side curtain or whatever. Here comes Tully Blanchard." You don't start the show with Tully in the corner and then an hour later explain why. And then when you try to explain why, then you have your interview interrupted. Like, that's, Josh, it's just, it's 101. You, 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 it's as simple as that. Give me some, give, tell a story. You've got two hours to tell a story. Tully Blanchard on, on, uh, first of all, historically, Tully Blanchard on at 6.05 Eastern, for those that haven't watched wrestling for 25 years, are like, wait a minute, is that Tully Blanchard? What's he, what, and what's he doing there, right? Yeah. And why do they have, like, the Brain Buster Jobber jackets on, like, right? So, so but, but the point is, tell the story. Have the match, tell the story. Open the show, saying that, ladies and gentlemen, we, we're, great, we're glad to be here at AEW, but we need to be able to have leadership, someone that can watch our back, someone that understands us. Ladies and gentlemen, Tully Blanchard. You just you don't you just don't start that way. And and so as far as the match is concerned, <laughs> FTR must have sat down with private party and they were like, look, t- let me show you a power and glory match from 89, <laughs> right? You're the jobbers and we're power and glory. That that was outstanding. I I I really I don't. I'm gonna say I love the match. I like the match because it was FTR's pace, and you didn't see Private Party going all over the place and jumping all over the place. It was FTR was like, yeah, we're gonna throttle you. Okay, you're gonna have a few moves, but we're gonna win the match. And so I liked the match because it reminded me of like 20 years ago of like FTR is getting over and Private Party is going to be grounded. None of this fly over the top nonsense. That's why I like that match. The thing with AEW is like everything always goes into the match and they always most times put the story in the background. Okay, a couple times FTR has a match, they'll show a picture of Tully Blanchard watching the match from the crowd. With his mask on, right? And then they had the whole tag team kiss my ass session for tag team appreciation night. God, that uh, thing was getting brutal before the end. And then um, 
like you said, they start off the show. They got custom made jackets already <laughs> for Tully Blanchard. What a what does that do for Sean Spears? Oh, I forgot. Sean Spears is still Ty Dillinger, stuck in AEW dark. Yeah, nothing, nothing new. <laughs> and it's the worst thing for me in wrestling is when you have characters that you just know are heels, but you present them as passive aggressive baby faces. I just, I just never into that. I'm not. <laughs> um, I like the match with FTR and Private Party. Like you said, it was a nice clash of styles. Um, you know, I I pray weekly that we have some good tag team matches that have tag robes. And their, their whole approach about having tag team robes and respecting referees, I'm all for that. Because, <laughs> God, every week they have an eight-man eight tag match or a 12-man tag match that's a complete mud show from top to bottom just structurally of a match and it's just okay you could claim that you had the best tag team division in the world and aw focus focus and cares about tag team wrestling as tony shivani says all the time but that doesn't matter if your tag team matches don't make sense and b you put your story you rush your stories or not even tell them properly you know yeah. like i i like ftr but okay Okay, Tully Blanch is there. Okay, they're 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 a group now. Okay, we'll wait a couple weeks later. Here's comes Cody. We have a new four horsemen, folks. Like, <laughs> really, we're rushing into that. Yeah, just tell us. But you got time. Tell a story. Tell you don't have to rush into it. You got to, you actually have two shows to be able to tell a story, and then you just rush right into it. Even though this was taped and they edited it down or whatever, but you still could have told a story. But whatever. It's just this is part of the growing pains of a new company. I, I, I totally understand it. But but here's the thing. In the old days you didn't have two hours. You had one to tell a story. So ultimately with with spots it's like commercials is like forty, you know, thirty eight minutes. But you have two hours to tell a story. Tell the story. Like, you know, why why are they together? It's cool, but how did it come together? It's I don't know. You got to maximize your TV time, pal. Yeah. Yeah, you got plenty of it. You know, so so you go from what I thought was a nice, you know, classic TV match from back in the day to just this jumble of the Jurassic Express and the Natural Nightmares <laughs> and Butcher and Blade and Lucha Brothers just like this just forces many um much as much talent on the TV as possible. It just kind of, you know, it just all over the place and it just you know, when you see these matches on a regular basis, Josh, it's kind of like, okay, like, well, I'm here to watch Jungle Boy. <laughs> or, you know, pretty much, I'm waiting for him to come in. Or I'm waiting to see, you know, Luchasaurus and see how he's getting better. Or I'm here to, really to see Phoenix and Pentagon. But you don't see enough of them because the match is all over the place. Yeah. These, when you have matches like this, you don't get a chance to get ring time to shine. And so it's just spot fest, spot fest, spot, 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 spot. And it's kind of like, okay, all right, so who got over there, really? Nobody. You know, from a transcript point of view, I feel like I'm in a wrestling labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. When I'm trying to jot that down, like, uh, we got Lucia Douche, as uh, Jim Cornette would say. Mm -hmm. No, Dino Douche. Dino Douche. I had it wrong, Dino Douche. And you got Jungle Boy, like, he does a lot of the moves the Young Bucks does and some ill-timed suicide dives, <laughs> I may add. But, yeah, like you said, it's just all over the place. And here's the thing. I really like Butcher and the Blade 
they're a tag team that could fit in any territory. I, I, I just like I like them as a tag team. I like Phoenix and Pentagon, but I I prefer them as singles competitors. <laughs> and then randomly, you have Eddie Kingston come out and playing Peacemaker. And, oh, we're boys. We're just like I, okay, like <laughs> another faction. <laughs> Yet another faction. <laughs> with no background behind it. Okay. Eddie Kingston is like, oh, we're in the Indies. 80% of your promotion has been in the Indies. So should the whole promotion be in the faction? Man, I swear <laughs> to God. I swear to God. I mean, this some of this stuff is turning into like WWF 88. Like, everybody's got a manager. Everyone's in a faction. It's, it's something. It's um, <laughs> So we move on from that. Uh, I I love watching M- MJF anytime he's got a microphone. It's great. I, I every time he's got a microphone, it's money. Like it's see that's what you want in a company. You want a must watch, right? And so MJF is a must watch. And now him and Moxley and the confrontation there. That match is going to be good. Yes. Um And so I don't you know people get on Moxley because they call him you know this cosplay Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's just here's the thing, like. I understand why AEW had Jericho be champion and have Moxley be champion because you got to have somebody at the top of the card. I get, I get it. I understand. Like you yeah. can't you imagine like okay, so our first champion is going to be Luchasaurus. Our first champion is going to be um, you know QT Marshall. Yeah, Q, uh, QT Marshall. <laughs> like it's, it can't it can't be that. So I get it. I understand why they're champion. Because those young people, those young guys in that locker room have to beat somebody. And so right. same thing with MJF. I mean, if he gets past Moxley, if not this match, then in the future, then you beat somebody. So, But I understand why AEW's got to put these those two as their first champion because people, they know who they are. Right. I get it. Uh, I, I get where you're coming from. And really quick to MJF, what I really appreciate about him is that just like any the best heels in the past, like a Nick Bockwinkle or Chris Jericho, as we just mentioned, all the best heels always tell the truth. And yeah, there's do- there's hypocritical doctrine in all heels, but every, every time I hear MJF speak, I believe what he's saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he's just that good at his job. I'm a really big MJF fan. I'm all for the not my champion <laughs> MJF 2020. I, the whole bit is hilarious. Um, as much as this made to Brian Lass. <laughs> Didn't he say something about a raw meter or something like that? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. He, he said that this is kind of like a WWE thing, but, but like the, you know, MJF 2020 kind of thing. Who cares? Who cares? You know, it's character. It's, it's character. A good, it's good. It's good programming. That's what we want. <laughs> see, they all copy each other. See, <laughs> see, Josh. This is what, this is what we ju- we were just talking about. You want to have somebody that you can believe in. Someone's got a great promo. Somebody that can wrestle. Something that reminds you of back in the day. And that's that guy. And still, people find a way to shit on him too. So you don't. So a lot of wrestling fans don't even know what they really want. You know, no. like like J- MJF works in any era in which I watch wrestling. Any era, any era, because the mic works there, the in-ring work is there, uh, he talks a lot, backs it up, chicken shit heel, all that stuff. He can do all those things, but yet people find a problem with him too. So ultimately, people don't know what they want. You can, We can bring back, um, we can rewind the clock, uh, rewind the clock and get give us Mid-South from 35 years ago, and people would say, nope, don't like it, it's too slow. 
Like, like, you know, like, <laughs> nope, the storylines take too much time. Like, it's like, it's all, they, you don't know, we don't know what era we're in in wrestling. That's why people bitch about everything. That's the answer. Hey, really quick before I get to John Moxley, who's worse, uh, Excalibur or Joel Watts? <laughs> Joel Watts, for sure. <laughs> Joel, <laughs> Joel Watts, for sure. That's, that's some bad stuff right there. That is his dad pushing him out there with the bad uh, tuxedo and say, hey, tell the story. And he looked so uncomfortable at, behind yes. the mic. He didn't belong there. But you know what? Hell of a producer. Some of those packages, Joel did those those video packages. He produced Very those. Good. Yeah. So that, that was his, you know, and, and, and by the way, some of his packages, the WWF at the time was, were watching Mid-South too. And they were like, God damn, pal, those packages, you know, and so they like, who does that? Well, my son Joel does that, and it's like, uh-huh. God damn. So, so Joel, all those like video packages that you'll see in Mid South or UWF, Joel did those. He produced those, and so that was his the best thing he did for that company. But being behind the mic, no, absolutely not. Well, um, honey, honey, so- I know you're one half of Cap and J Hood. My favorite sports talk show in the city of Chicago. And I know you guys did take that Tuesday. This is Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I have one. I have a take that for you today. All right. Since we record this, all right? Go ahead. JR says that John Moxley is the attitude of AEW, right? Yes. Why doesn't he close out the shows all the time? Take that. Take that! <laughs> <laughs> you would think you would think the main event, the the champion, would close out the shows, correct? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you have to ask Tony Khan that. <laughs> and started off a show with three straight tag team matches. <laughs> man, oh man! I just, I again, I'm going to wait until we get a year into this thing to really do a long form conversation about AEW man it's something so we get the elite against the dark order boy oh boy just again all these wrestlers just trying to jam in on the Saturday night you didn't need a six man after you already had an eight man I just don't I don't get it I think it's interesting that they needed John Silver and Allen five angels to make Kenny Omega snap yeah, I know. I know. I know. Of all things, the cleaner and all these great matches, you know, kids, all these great matches he had, but it took five angels to put him over the top. God almighty. Just, that's a great observation. I don't, I'm just, they're exhausted. doing a tag team gauntlet on Thursday, right? Yeah. I'm exhausted by him already. Omega. I'm exhausted. Yes. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm exhausted. He's in, it, he's wrestling like he's in early retirement. <laughs> That's yeah, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm exhausted with him in and out of the ring, too. I'm exhausted with him. You know what I want to see? I want to see Orange Cassidy, after getting beat down by, the, um, by Jericho's group, I want him to have the wrestling promo of his life. Is that possible from Orange Cassidy? Like for real, like you're, yeah. you're, you're you know, before this stupid ass mimosa mayhem match, <laughs> I want him. This is so ridiculous. Nobody, as I tweeted, you saw me tweet this, right? Does anyone yeah. say no in this company? Does anyone say no? Like, why is this a good idea now that Orange Cassidy and and Jericho will elevate their feud, and that's going to be a first time ever mimosa mayhem match? 
this is a perfect example that just because you have creative liberty doesn't mean it's always good. Why can't or I want Orange Cassidy to get behind the AW logo uh, step and repeat right behind him, right? Right. And I want him to cut the promo of his life. Like enough of the indie nonsense. Take off the glasses and tell us why you're going to beat Jericho's ass once and for all. Because if you're just sitting there just taking it and not being – see, he has to sell it too. See, he, right. he's got it – like Jericho's selling it. It's stupid, right? It's a stupid match, and he agreed to it. But I need Orange Cassidy, just like he did in that that you know ridiculous debate. I want him <laughs> to just – that was the best promo of his life. But he's got to up that. Give me the promo of your life. Why is this match the most important match to you? Why do you want to get rid of Jericho once and for all? Now, he's going to lose this match, but he needs to sell it on his end. Not just not the halfway thumbs up, not the denim jacket, not the cool hair. Tell me why you're going to beat this guy's ass on Saturday. Right. Uh, or Tuesday, whatever. Thursday. <laughs> no, you're totally right, Hoodie. And here's the thing. I, I like Orange Cassidy to a certain extent. I don't dislike him like i would stunted growth like i'm not there with orange cassidy but you know his whole character about being indifferent at some point the fans are going to become indifferent to you if you don't give them a reason to cheer for you outside of your kicks and and the shades and putting your hands in the pocket like (laughs) they're kind of as we always say here when we do these shows together where's your next gear pal right right i mean even with even at the podium when he did that thing with jericho it, he had me halfway believing, like, oh, so he's he's actually saying more. It's just like, could you imagine? Could could you imagine the guy that has hands in his pockets beating you, Chris Jericho? Like, that's cool. That's fine. At least you stand up for yourself. Right. That's, you know that that's all I'm saying. But just, dude, just uh, you you can't sell this match to me as ridiculous as it is if you don't yeah. say anything after they beat you down again this past Saturday. Yeah, so. and uh, you know, also lumping best friends with the watered down LAX when they're feuding over Trent's um, minivan or whatever truck she brought to the arena, it's just bad. <laughs> I, uh, it, you know, if it was WWE, you would expect it, <laughs> right? Right? I find a lot of things that people put over in AW, and if they did that on Raw, people would be having a conniption fit. I, I keep running into that scenario every time I watch Dynamite. Yeah, I just don't want. I don't need alternative WWE. I just I'll just watch WWE if I need to watch it. I don't. Yeah. I don't need this. I don't need a hybrid of it. But it, but it's, know, but it's all over the comp. It's all over wrestling though. Everyone's trying to do a little bit of that. You know why Impact's doing better now? They're starting to actually finally focus on their own product. That well, that's a switch. It's either their product or ECW's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why is Tommy Dreamer on my TV again? Um, so the TNT Championship has changed hands as Mr. Brody Lee again cosplay Vince. I, I mean, is was let me ask you this question. Josh, was that Brody Lee's idea when he came in? Like when Tony Khan sitting there nervous, who makes a cup of coffee nervous, when he's sitting there on the other <laughs> side of the desk, right? Is he like, so what do you want to do? What do you so so what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Like, so did Brody Lee say, I want to be cosplay McMahon? I want to have a I'm gonna have suits and I'm gonna boss around people just like it happened to me in the WWE. Was that his idea, do you think? I certainly hope not. I 
the whole presentation of Brody Lee, it, it's just been a big hit and miss. Uh, we've talked about it before about our thoughts on the Dark Order. I'll, I'll leave that to the side. We don't need to bore people with that. But, like, here's a guy that everybody around the world, like, uni- there's unity in the wrestling world, Hoodie. Everybody agreed that we could have seen a lot more from Luke Harper to WWE, right? Yep. He comes into AEW, gets rushed into a world title match with John Moxley. Loses, has kind of a thing with Cole Cabana, and then out of the blue wins the TNT World Title. <laughs> I I don't know where they're going here with him. <laughs> I really don't. I really don't. It, it's it's there's another guy that comes into AEW, and this is a theme that I'm generating as I've been watching the show. I've actually covered every AEW show they produced so far. Like every guy that's been released from the WWE outside of the people that are in the elite, John Moxley, Jake Hager, FTR, Ty Dillinger, Luke Harper, they're all in the same positions as they were in the WWE. <laughs> well, I mean, you didn't expect Ty Dillinger to be over, did you? No, I didn't, but I'm, I'm making my point. You have all these guys that everybody tells you, oh, if Vince booked it better, there'd be bigger stars. <laughs> What's the excuse now? Well, you know, it's a great point. Like, look, everybody can't be over. I understand that. But, like, how long has Ty Dillinger – I'm sorry, what, uh, uh, Sean Spears. How long has Sean Spears yeah. been in the company? Almost, almost the whole time, right? Like six months, seven months? Yeah. Okay, so – <laughs> I don't want to make it just only about Sean Spears, but my, my point is like Brody Lee, he, he's with another satanic dark group, and it's nothing different than I saw him with the Bludgeon Brothers, the Wyatt family, anything else he's been part of the WWE. Like, uh, why should I care about him now? <laughs> Anybody could do cosplay Vince gimmicks. Hell, Brian Myers is probably going to cut a weekly promo on Vince McMahon on Impact every week now. You know, like, <laughs> at what point do people, A, stop giving sympathy for those characters that talk about Vince McMahon on promos? And, like, where do we go when we have enough arrows shot at one person? Because every time we keep on mentioning competition, people are going to watch the competition. And I, I think you could do that once. Yeah. I, I don't mean like a, the Jericho exit interview that you, you always have to do when you leave Vince. You go to Jericho's podcast first. I don't mean that. I yeah. mean I mean you could do it once if if that's a story you want to tell, right? Right. If you're if you're EC three and you want to tell that story once, like so, I was I was here at Impact Wrestling and I was undermined. Nobody believed in me. I knew that people were behind me or whatever. And now I'm gonna show you what I can really do. Like you could you could do it that way, right? You could yeah. you could completely do it that way, but now when everyone's released and it's like I, I saw the Myers thing you're talking about, I'm like, talking about a 75 year old man that's out of touch. Okay, you do that once, but but in the meantime, get yourself over, get yes. yourself like like somebody didn't believe in me, 75 year old man. Okay, I don't have a, a problem shooting. It's 2020 and people know what he's talking about. But yeah. you can't do it every week, and you can't use that as your character. I'm the disgruntled guy that didn't get over the WWE, and I'm going to show you what I can do. And I'm going to tell you this every week. That's my character. No. Now that you're away from the WWE, establish yourself as a as a you know as who, as who you are. Not as a former WWE employee, but 
who is your new character and why should I care? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it's it's on you to tell your story now. Nobody's holding you back anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just one time. One time. And if that, it also depends on the company, too. Like, does the company want to have that sit down with the black background, you know, and... and you know, and you being able to tell your story. Like, if that's fine. You want to do that, it's fine. But that can't be all you are. I'm a former WWE guy. Okay? And what? then what? <laughs> see, that, see, that, see, again, call me old school, but in, in back in the day, you if you're released from a territory, you've got to move someplace else. You don't say, well, Eddie Graham screwed me in Florida, so screw him. Now I'm here in world class, and I'm gonna show everybody here in Dallas what what who I am. Like you know, like like Sean Casey or uh, Scott Casey didn't do that, going from one territory to the other. Like, right. like that didn't happen. It's like you know, let me tell you something. Munchnick didn't believe in me in St. Louis, but here, me, Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch, I'm here back in the Carolinas. I'm gonna tell you right now where I'm going after that Mid Atlantic title. Like they didn't do that. You just you when you went from one place to the other, you didn't worry about where you were who you are now matters not where you because you and i are smart we know who brian myers is okay cool now what what's your next act you want a good example look at jyd yeah he went to other promotions and he he still was a legendary performer that people still talk about to this day yeah you just like it just didn't happen back then like the payoffs were terrible in in Southwest. Blanchard didn't pay me, but now here I am in the Amarillo territory with the Funks. I'm here you guys <laughs> right now. Joe Blanchard's an old man that's out of touch, but now here I am in Amarillo, and I want to take on the best competition. Like that didn't happen. Like anyway, <laughs> anyway. Could you imagine if it was like that? By the way, just like Dusty Rhodes leaves Croc, gets fired from uh, the NWA. Uh, it, it, that turned into WCW and wrote <laughs> his first promo with Vincent. Baby, they didn't believe in me. They fired me. They didn't want me anymore. They didn't want them to up the road. So here I am in the common man, if you will. Like, like that's, you know, they didn't, he didn't do that. Did you see Rhodes do that? No, he just, he no. turned into something different. That's all. So put this in a boat for us. So what else? So give me uh, your overall thoughts on the weekend. Did you think it was a great wrestling weekend? Yes, I think on both ends, business and um, just overall in-ring product. Um, I thought SummerSlam was a really good pay-per-view from top to bottom. Uh, even given the fact that they are doing payback on Sunday, uh, like I was telling you earlier, I was I was really kind of concerned where they're going to go. Were they going to do a lot of DQs or count-out finishes? But they didn't do that. It was just a really strong in-ring pay-per-view, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought TakeOver was good for what they did. They got new champions. Uh, they announced that Tommaso Champions coming back on NXT this week, which is good. Uh, AEW had a good viewership. Uh, I saw that Raw last night had 2 million viewers. Whoa! Right. Um, what? Slowly making progress, I guess. <laughs> um, so I just thought Todd Bond that was a really good wrestling weekend uh, in the midst of this pandemic. And uh, there's a lot of wrestling to consume. And we got uh, 
major news coming out of TakeOver that our favorite show is coming back in September, uh, NXT UK. So, yeah. Um, uh, overall, really good weekend. It was a lot of fun to uh, cover the events. What's that look like, by the way, when they go back to the UK? Like, probably empty, right? Probably still won't have any fans. Yeah, maybe some uh, PC talent in the UK around the ringside. Kind of similar to NXT. They're doing it in the BT Sports Studio, if I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken. I think they announced that on TakeOver that they're doing it in the BT Studio. So they got that partnership together. So that's pretty cool. Um, I, I love NXT UK. It's my favorite WWE brand of all the shows they produce. And, yes. um, man, I, <laughs> I miss Walter. I miss Grizzled Young Veterans. I love, I love me some NXT UK. Me too. Me too, because it's just different. And and for those that complain about not the wrestling, you know, and again, they're going to complain anyway. There's some wrestling fans, but that's pure wrestling. It's just, it's in ring. There's a story to be told. And I, I like the way, the way Triple H operates. I like it. And, you know, eventually people will realize that what he's doing makes sense. It's not colored by the numbers. It's actually, yeah, a lot of good action there. Despite the the, the um, roster being rated from time to time by Vince wanting his guys on Raw and SmackDown, I get it. But, yeah. you know, but NXT continues to replenish with pretty good talent. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, with, with Cornette, <laughs> this is going to uh, bring this full circle. Would Jim Cornette say that Zach Gibson would have fit? <laughs> right exactly i love being some zach gibson i miss him i miss him and uh who's my guy who's my guy that i like a lot he keeps he he retweets every time i shout him out what's his name eddie dennis eddie dennis i can't wait to see eddie dennis I want Eddie Dennis to succeed in 2020. I'm a teacher and a wrestler. Look at me. I'm 6'5". <laughs> I just, I, I like him. Well, don't forget to go to ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. That's where you can find uh, some great breakdowns of everything in wrestling. Not only TV shows, but pay-per-views. And so things are, so business looks good for Pro Wrestling Transcriptions. It keeps me up to date on my busy schedule now, working mornings. I appreciate that, Hoodie. Um, Pro Wrestling Transcription is a major hub. It's a um, point of reference for all wrestling fans who don't have time to catch up at all the shows. They have it for basically every promotion. Hopefully, sooner or later, we get MLW back to doing new content, and I'll put those shows out as well. Uh, Three big New Japan shows coming up uh, this weekend. They got a big stadium show that they're doing uh, in Jinju on Saturday Mm -hmm. that I'm covering. And, of course, they got all your coverage and play-by-play for payback coming up on Sunday. You know, doing the grind and making the best of my situation right now. There's some other I was planning to do professionally, but the pandemic is underway, so I was what I'm going to get this <laughs> uh, job in radio-wise. But I'm keeping my grind zone. It's, it's really humbling to see some hard work pay off. I started this website back in 2017 and been making transcripts for over six years now. And the podcast, and whose podcast, by the way, which you can subscribe to on all your favorite podcasting platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Play and um uh, 
it's just been a fun time. You know, there's a lot of negativity going around the world. And I'm always grateful for the fact that we have professional wrestling to be our escape and to have something to look forward to. The fact that I get to cover the business for a living is something that I don't take for granted. And uh, I appreciate anybody who takes the time to check out any of the transcripts that I make. There he is, Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Friend of the program, part of that TWT tribe, just like you, just like you. I went to Facebook, Facebook.com, and asked people what they thought about SummerSlam. Got a lot of responses. Hello. Uh, Big Papa says it was really good. Thunderdome made a difference. Good ending. Jeffrey Wright says it was decent. The Thunderdome couldn't have come at a better time. I was surprised that Alexa Bliss did not come in as Sister Abigail, uh, but was glad that Oscar won. This is the beginning of Sasha turning on Bailey and becoming a babyface, among some of the comments made by Jeffrey Wright. Nate Johnson says, Jeffrey Wright, he says, I think um, Nikki Cross is more likely if they do the personification of Sister Abigail. So a conversation on my Facebook about that. Nate Johnson says that it was pretty satisfying, surprised by the clean finish in the MVP Cruise match, but there weren't any bad matches. Dom is still super green, but... That match had enough drama to overlook it. Robert says uh, that I thought Dominic uh, took that sit down, that sit out power bomb really well, uh, better than some veterans do. Kamar uh, Zaman, my good friend, says very good show, nice surprise ending. Talk about SummerSlam. Gerald Reed says Thunderdome is the death, uh, is the death if the enjoyability of the Fiend matches can't employ the cinematic matches as much thunderdome is the death uh i'm not sure what he means by that um <laughs> shorty i don't know why i read i read it i just there are words it just didn't come together uh da, 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 da. anthony bell says good show Dennis Day Jr. says, better than I expected to be. Uh, Roman's return was something I didn't see coming. Dominic had a very good debut match. Overall, solid B. Tommy Pham says, I saw the last hour. It was fine. Nothing special. I, uh, I knew Roman Reigns' shirt looked familiar. Looks like WWE creative is putting out the effort. It is true. He, he sends me a picture of Stone Cold Steve Austin that says, arrive, period, raise hell, period, leave. Okay, that's true. It's very similar to the uh, Austin shirt. Um, Bob Dupree says, Thunderdome is better than empty. Man, do I miss the Attitude Era. Uh, Jason, well, you're not going to get that, especially in a publicly traded company. Thunderdome adds so much more enjoyment. Feels like a big fight feel again. Uh, That's from Jason Carter. Uh, Vito says, overall, pretty solid show. The end of the Orton-McIntyre match was meh, but the match itself was decent. Uh, Dominic Mysterio had a solid debut. Rollins was a good choice to work with him in this first match. Women's matches were better than average. Tommaso says a strong B. Mandy Rose match was way better than expected. Adam Michael says it was uh, uh, very entertaining. Uh, made it through the entire pay-per-view. Interested in what they're going to do with Roman. Everett Alexander says, I enjoyed it. I didn't think I'd enjoy uh, Drew versus Randy, but that was pretty fun to watch. Uh, bang. J.R. Bang says, I really enjoyed it. I see rep- I see Retribution took a night off. Yeah, where was Retribution on at SummerSlam? Uh, Osman, the Osman says, good show. Thunderdome looked amazing. George Norwood says, shocked and surprised that I enjoyed it. Dom versus Seth was exciting. Sasha Asuka was great. Randy and Drew was good. And Roman popped me at the end. Shocked and surprised. 
Chris and Chris Grant says really good solid show. Nothing spectacular, but very but every match delivered as much as expected. Seven out of ten. So some really good feedback there. Cheryl says I did did not watch, but I heard that Roman speared the fiend. Yes. Tim Funches says I sat through the whole thing and it says a lot. It was entertaining and it wasn't super predictable. Reigns return was a nice surprising ending. Thanks for the feedback. And don't forget, you can always email me at uthpods at outlook.com, uthpods at outlook.com to give your feedback on what's going on in professional wrestling. If you heard this podcast, reach out. Tell me what you thought of my thoughts or Josh's thoughts or some of our listeners' thoughts as I read from our my Facebook wall, facebook.com, about SummerSlam, the WWE, AEW, whatever. Reach out. If you're a wrestling fan, you listen to this, tell me what you thought as well. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT, WrestlingTWT. And as Josh mentioned, I, I should promote myself more, right? You guys probably know um, that I am doing Morning Drive now. It's in my voice. You can hear it, right? Tired. The tired voice of working mornings doing this uh, podcast for you in the afternoon. But yeah, having fun with David Kaplan doing Cap and Jay Hood. Uh, every morning from 7 to 10 on ESPN 1000, ESPN Chicago app. I'm pitching myself every day. I'm doing morning drive in my hometown of Chicago. I'm having a fun time as well. So if you're into sports, I got you. 7 to 10, Cap and I go back and forth about all the storylines around sports uh, on ESPN 1000. Also, you can download the ESPN Chicago app, click it once, listen live, and check out our show every morning. All right, our thanks to Josh Lopez for being with us. We are way over time, an hour, 20 minutes. Wow, it was a lot of wrestling, so we had to review it all right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. So next week, we'll bring Josh back, and we'll talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling as well as Payback. Why is there back-to-back pay-per-views with the WWE? I don't get it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to reach out at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. Uh,